Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me this morning. I also want to thank you, loyal listeners, that have been uh, joining in to listen to this show and for those individuals and the feedback and that I have been receiving. Now, today I want to get started with the show because I've been tagging individuals kind of late as it relates to this information, but I did put out something the other day as it relates to the topic. Now, today's topic is about colorism. And we talk about colorism, a lot of times individuals kind of get the term colorism confused with the word racism because it still has a lot to do with discrimination. Now, with that being said, today more than ever, teacher, can you turn that writer's noise because he really, today more than ever, people are becoming aware of the different types of racism. With the racism, it's being broadcast over the news. We see it posted on social media outlets. However, many individuals still try to close their eyes as it relates to some of the stuff that we're seeing because some individuals are finding it difficult to accept the views, the culture, and the beliefs of another and where one wants to be superior. And if one feels that they're superior, they feel that the other is beneath them. However, the problem is that is not acceptable. But today's show, we're going to be addressing the term colorism. And as we get it confused, because when we talk about colorism, I really didn't even know myself for a long time what that term was about until my daughter brought it to my attention. Because I saw it so much in my family based on the light-skinned individuals versus the, the dark skin, the and I, I was telling my daughter, I didn't know what color I was. I, I felt I was just two-toned, you know, because I didn't fit in with dark, dark skin, and I didn't fit in with the fair, light skin. So a lot of times we saw that in our family, but we really didn't pay it as much attention. Be, but I'm finding now that today many individuals are struggling with this because it has a lot to do with one's self-esteem, one's self-worth, and especially when you consider those that are biracial. Now, we talk about the term colorism. Colorism is described as a prejudice or discrimination against an individual with dark skin tone, typically amongst people of the same ethnic or racial group. Colorism within the black community has been a serious emotional and psychological battle, which is one of the reasons why I want to talk about this today. So if you want to join in on the conversation, give me a call at 516-387-1914. Now, I'm going to ask you, Latisha, while you're over there eating your sandwich, you know I'm hungry. Can you come over here and join me for a minute, please? My question to you, people can't hear you from way over there. My question to you is, how did you learn about colorism? Because you knew way more about this topic than I did because you brought a lot of things to my attention, even with, you know, giving me information regarding shows. Oprah Winfrey did something about colorism. And I know Oprah is much older than I am. But how was this brought to your attention, considering that I'm much older than you, even though I am your mother? It's not something that's just brought to your attention. It's something that you have to experience. Oh, they, you have to experience. Yeah. So you experience it based on what your color is. Growing up as a darker child within a family of light-skinned people, I felt it. Therefore, I knew what it was. So it's not something that wasn't that was new once it was coined a term. Mm-hmm. It's something that that goes on. It's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Within the black community, within the Asian community, within the Hispanic community, a lot of times those that are darker are treated differently. Mm-hmm. Those that are darker are called different types of names. Kunta Kente. Um, what is it that they call Buddy and Jasmine? Um, they, they just call them different names yeah. um, within within the community in itself. So it's not just a black thing. 
it's within every culture, um, and that goes back to being Europeanized of if you are fairer, you are better, or you are treated better, or you have more opportunities, or if you are darker, then, oh, good luck to you, um, you're not deemed as beautiful. Mm. You could see that even within our own culture of if you are wearing your natural hair, kinks and all, you're not treated as fairly as um, somebody else that has their hair straight, long, all down their back. That's why we go and we get long weaves. We go and we get our hair straightened. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing that trend reverse back to us in our natural hair state. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of different things when you talk about colorism and, and culturalism and, and how it affects everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's interesting you said that because I remember growing up, you know, in with an African-American mother who was fair-skinned, and her being fair-skinned because she was French, black, and Indian, um, like I said, she would make us put esoterica, which is a skin bleacher, on our face. And I didn't know why she was having us do that. And she had this, this prejudice towards dark skin. And then even though my sister that was younger than me, the middle child was darker than I, then my baby sister was very, very fair-skinned. She didn't make, make her put esoterica on her face. So we got some callers calling in. Let me log the callers on because I want to hear what they have to say as it relates to this topic. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicament. Number ended in 4-4. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you? I am well, Mama G. So talking about this with colorism, I don't know if you have any siblings, but what was your experience as it relates to colorism in the way you grew up? Well, I had that, well, in my genealogy, we have, um, we were, we were owned by Frenchmen, because all of us, all of my ancestry came from Louisiana. So, mm-hmm. when my children are born, when my children are born, they're completely white. I, mm-hmm. I you know, it's strange, but they are completely white. And as they get older, I think about a year they get, because Laura was completely high yellow. When, and she didn't mm-hmm. start getting dark until she started getting older and going out to the beach. And mm-hmm. um, they thought she was mulatto. When she was mm-hmm. born, the nurse, the nurse had put father white, mother black. Wow. I had to tell her, no, her father is not white. She was shocked. So it has a lot with your ancestry in your family. And so Mm -hmm. So, I I get that. I have a question. I I I have a question for you, though. Do you, in your family, was Laura treated differently than Roy and Alfred? Because... I know Roy was darker than Alfred. So did your family treat your kids? Because I noticed with my two, there was a difference because, like, Tisha was just speaking, and Tisha is my daughter. Well, Reggie was my firstborn son, and he was high yellow. And because of his skin tone, he was treated with, girl, my mother, girl, made him the king. And when Tisha was born, she was red, because her father was dark-skinned, and I never realized how my daughter was treated until she got a little older. Now, I've got another caller calling in, but I want, I want to go back to that question of you. Uh, hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Pressure Predicament. Number ended in 6-4. I'm going to have you introduce yourself, but I want Karen to answer that question, Mama G. Did you, did you experience that in your family between your daughter and your oh. other two children? Okay, between Laura and Rory. He was called the Cabbage Patch Baby. Mm. Wow. Yeah, the, 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 he was called he was called the the pretty brown chocolate chip. Mm. But do you think now, that that has something to self esteem? Being told that because, like my daughter no, was saying, she was no, in the past. No, because he was handsome too. 
Now, see, my whole thing was they all had to be pretty. I didn't care what color. They just all had to be pretty. So he was well, one of my aunts who was who who did the club life, dress her so, used to say that Roy was darker than the berry, sweet as the juice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, All right. one, so, so one of my aunts was madly in love with Rory because he was the, the darker skin, but he was handsome. Mm-hmm. So, it was, see, all of this stems from how the Englishmen from England told the slave owners how to treat us. Yeah. And so wow. that carries on in between us. Because mm-hmm. we always thought white and light was superior and prettier than the dark. Yeah, but that is so, it, 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 it brings on that negative connotation, and it is taught. And back in slavery days where you had people that get to work in the house versus out in the field. Now, someone just called in, number ended in 6-4. Hi, my name is Jeanette. What would you like to add to the show? Uh, nothing, Jeanette. I, I'm just listening. Got you. Okay. Now, my question did becomes because this is something that is just not within African-American culture. It's with the Hispanic culture. It's with the Asian culture. It's with, I, I hear it from individuals that are biracial, especially being a licensed therapist. A lot of times individuals come to therapy with a lot of childhood trauma and things that they've experienced while feeling that they were being treated differently from their other siblings. And sometimes I've heard it where one was a male, one was a female, and then sometimes based on color. And in some cases, people are just flat out discriminated against because of their color. I remember when I had a friend, her name was Carla Gibbs. She was a beautiful lady, and my mother used to tell her, oh, she's so pretty. She's the prettiest dark-skinned girl I ever met. I was like, why would you, and I'm thinking, why would you say that? You know, and I know now my daughter gets on me because she says sometimes if even I still do it with some of my cousins or nieces and nephews, the way I introduced them, she brought that to my attention where I'll say, oh, this is my pretty cousin, and this is my da-da-da-da, and she said, I don't say something about the other ones, and I didn't realize subconsciously what I was doing, but my mother did it, my grandmother did it, and I would really hope my auntie called in on the show because my aunt was older than me on my mother's side, and she was darker-skinned and dealt with some of the division that we experienced between the dark skin versus the light skin. I I used to think growing up, watching it with my aunties and uncles, it was just this division and even the way they interacted. Now, I have a question, and it indicates, and this is talking about African-Americans, and this is coming from The Guardian, and it says, why black people discriminate amongst ourselves? And they describe it as a toxic legacy. Kind of, Mama G, what you're talking about in regards to it being a learned behavior, and it, it is this legacy that goes on from generation to generation, and now we have kids that are biracial, and it's becoming even worse because with Ryder, Ryder will not. If we told Ryder, he was black, Ryder said, I'm not black. But he was looking at it as a color, but then when Ryder is amongst his other relatives, because he's so fair-skinned, they look at him differently, even when I remember our first Thanksgiving, I wanted to make sure he could defend himself, but the first thing they wanted to do was pull his hair. Any comments in regards to that, Karen, when it talks about it being uh, why black people discriminate amongst themselves, it being a toxic legacy of colorism? Well, you have to first go back and think of slavery days. All right, you have to figure saying, out. You're saying it's a toxic thing that, that, that they do. So... Go back to slavery days. You have people in the field. You uh-huh. have people in the house. Who are the people in the house? <laughs> the light-skinned pretty people. The light-skinned, biracial, Mommy. ones that were raped by the slave masters. Those are the ones in the house. Uh-huh. They divided them so that way they would not join together uh-huh. to take over the uh-huh. plantation. If you divide the race, make them fight against one another, fight against one another, they will not join forces. 
that is a systematic problem within the black community that was designed back during slavery days specifically so that way the black community would not join together and have an uprise and overturn what was going on. Mm. Wow. Any comments in regards to that, Karen? Because, uh, like I said, I used to see it but just didn't know what it was and didn't know how it was affecting or impacting individuals in my family until later on in life. Well, just think if you're disabled. I was always called the handicapped or the crippled cousin. So... On that plateau, wow. and see, so my mother, and then one line used to say, the pretty handicapped cousin, because my mother dressed me so pretty. So mm-hmm. if the color, I had another issue. I had a, I had a physical challenge. So mm-hmm. I, I wanted my children to be pretty and healthy. Yes, I am fault at that. I wanted my children to be pretty and healthy. No mm-hmm. no physical challenge at all. And mm-hmm. I was blessed that way. You know what just into my spirit? Mm-hmm. I, 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 I just, I, go ahead. No, one of the things I wanted to say, and it's probably into my spirit, and, and I know I probably was guilty of this myself, even when we're talking about we're waiting on Joe Biden to make his selection in regards to who he's going to choose to be vice president. And a lot of individuals are, we're still caught up in this this old stereotype, you know, and I always say her name wrong. What is it, Camilla? Camilla? Camilla. 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 Conscious bias that individuals have, but why is it that light always supposed to be pretty and dark is not supposed to be? Because we have to change the way we view that, and a lot of individuals are having to go back to Dove. Um, I remember the Dove commercials had to go back and redo some things. Um, how they were doing things on the Ancient Mama on a pancake box. So we're having to go back and revisit where that is coming from. Now we have another caller calling in, and um, hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome. It's ridiculous. Number ending in three three. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. What would you like to add to the show? Oh my, there's a lot I'd like to add to the show. I would first off um, say thank you for inviting me to the show, and secondly, um, I, it is um, very difficult dealing with. Um, I don't know um, if if you want to call it racism or what it is, but if you're not the right color and they find out, you lose your job. Wow. Wow. Well, you know what? That's interesting. I think this is Nancy, but it's interesting you said that, Nancy, because I remember the lady, and you, when you said that, I thought about the lady with the NAACP, and um, they had found out that she was Caucasian and she was – pretending to be African-American, and and um, that was a big controversy. You know, I remember my auntie talking about when she was in the military, how they would give you what's called the paper bag test to see if you could pass the, the brown paper bag test. You know, and a lot of that stuff, like I said, I guess because I was telling my daughter, I didn't realize I was fair-skinned until I became an adult, and I remember one of my husbands used to call me red bone. And I used to be like, I'm not red bone, I'm, I'm caramel. You know, because I never really looked at it subconsciously. I never really realized how I may have played a role in that, too, even when I was a kid picking my friends. Most of my friends were light-skinned until I got to middle school and became friends with Carla. But then we were like, um, I remember, no, I think we were middle school with friends, but then we became Trump, I mean, majorettes and you know, we did a, we played basketball together and other sports, but a lot of that becomes a learned behavior, and we really got to stop that because it is impacting individuals in regards to their self-esteem. 
Now, I'm looking at something, and it talks about even with, it says the only trait that I shared, we'll talk about with people with, with their parents also, is the color of their skin. And one of the things they were talking about it was that dark skin was the most beautiful logic of the family. But growing up, we looked at Barbie dolls. We looked at baby dolls. And do you know that they're still caring some people that won't let their children play with um, black baby dolls or Barbie dolls? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I remember, yeah. I, I don't know, Nancy, if you we were had there that with I had a woman one time give me this, uh, it was a pot scrubber, and it was, like, really, 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 really dark. And my intern was Caucasian, and she brought that to me and said, oh, so-and-so wanted me to get that to you. I looked at it and laughed. But I'm like, it didn't offend me, but they were selling it at the 99-cent store. It's like, and, and from my understanding, there were different colors, different shades, but it's this perception that individuals have that if a person is dark-skinned, they're either criminal or they this or they that. It's like, what is that about? They just want to single every every single person person's race out and just, um, what do you call it? Okay, um, she's Native American, so she's got to be a drunken drug addict. Wow. But um, they they don't want to give you the time of day to explain why you didn't tell them. Okay, I'm Native American, but I'm also white. My dad's white. Mhm. Well, we know with colorism, Obama really called him. You know, because they wouldn't let him live that one down. You know, Karen, what did you what is what did you experience even in the industry? Let's say with your daughter or. You know, I know you've done some things even also in the community. Do you still see that colorism is still playing a role in the way we're doing things even today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, live, I live in an exclusive neighborhood. I'm still the only black owner on my block. Now, I'm going to tell you this story. When I moved here, I got a Haman's noose on my Girls. I had to call the police. I didn't want the media to know, but I should have. But I called the police, and I got a, a, a white policeman who said, oh, I think it's just a joke. And I had to call Lieutenant Grisby and said, I, he- so this is, I said, this is Karen. Williams Graham. He said, What can I do for you, ma'am? I said, I got a hand in loose. He sent another police car, and then for a whole month, every day, there was a policeman circling uh, my house. Then mm-hmm. the, the, the lady that lived at 
that uh, many of my brothers and sisters have experienced, and I've had plenty of uh, 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 incidents with the law. I'd like to share one with you. One day I was walking uh, where I live in the area of town. There, are, uh, in some of the major places, there there aren't enough sidewalks. There aren't any sidewalks. Mm-hmm. And so one day I'm walking to work. Now, I, you know, I live in a, in a, in a state that's uh, open carry, and I am licensed to mm-hmm. carry. So one day I'm walking down the, 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 the major uh, thoroughfare, and there are no sidewalks. And on this particular street, it has three lanes going up and three lanes going down. So it's kind of like, like a freeway. And since mm-hmm. there are no sidewalks, I'm forced to walk in the street. So I, I walk uh, as close to the sidewalk as humanly possible, but cars are coming so close that they're, 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 they're tapping, tapping me with their mirror you know, at 40, 50 miles an hour. That hurts. So, mm. you know, and at the, on that particular day, I'm carrying my weapon. And I also had on an, a yellow vest so that, you know, like the, the vest that construction workers wear so that I can visibly be seen, you know, but people just don't care. They're driving close enough to, you know, I've got to, uh, you know, to keep from getting hit. So, uh, I, uh, you know, I put my weapon out front. She has a name. I call her Debbie. So I put my my weapon out front <laughs> where the vest illuminated, you know, the, the, the handle, and mm-hmm. people were still driving close. So at that point, I put my hand on what I call her shoulder. Now people can see, mm-hmm. oh, this guy got a weapon. Okay? So at that point, now they're slowing down to almost a stop. And they put their turn signal on and go around me. You know? Mm-hmm. Which is, hey, that's that's what I want them to do, because I don't want to get hit. And yeah. when I got to the, to, 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 to the intersection, the next intersection, five cop cars come around the corner. Now, most uh, African-Americans would have panicked. I didn't panic. Mm-hmm. I simply put, I, I interlaced both of my hands behind my head so they can mm-hmm. see I wasn't reaching for the weapon. They got out of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. They stood behind their doors, and they said, is that weapon loaded? I said, not only is it loaded, there's one in the chamber, too. Then yeah. they said, is, uh, is that the only weapon you have? I said, it's the only weapon I need. Then they said, but it's- uh, mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you. So then they says, uh, uh, are you licensed to carry? I said, why would I carry one without it? So then they said, keep your hands where we can see you. We're going to approach you. I said, not a problem. When they got up on me, they said, we're going to put you in handcuffs. I said, for what? They said, for our personal safety. I said, that's fair. So I put my hands behind my back so they could cuff me. And then they said, uh, do, 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 you know, do you keep your, you know, do you have, do you have ID? I said, of course. They said, where do you keep it? It's in my back pocket. Do you mind if we search your wallet? I do mind if you search my wallet. I don't mind if you take my wallet out of my pocket, bring it around where I can see you, take my ID out so you can run it. I don't mind if you do that. So they, they complied. Then the one officer, I guess he's a rookie, he grabs my arm. He said, we're going to put you in the back of the car. I said, I prefer mm-hmm. to stand. Then he gets a little rough, and he says, we're going to put you in the back of the car. I said, again, I prefer to stand. If you put me in the back of the car, I'll have you brought up on charges for false imprisonment. Then he did. Yeah. He does it again, a little bit more rough. And I said, "Listen, uh, yeah. you, you know, do me a favor and call for a duty sergeant." Then the officer said, "I'm not going to do that." I said, "Is your body camera on?" He said, "It is." I said, "Good, mm-hmm. because you just broke the law." Camera. Then well, the you know duty what? sergeant no, rounds the not corner. To stop, not to stop you, because I do have another caller calling in. But I understand the message you're trying to give us is in regards to the way people react and respond, because the one thing you didn't say was they, if they asked if you was on probation or parole. Because, I mean, I have a lot of men that I work with and from, from all walks of life. Some are in law enforcement, some are criminals, some are referred by the court, some are in the form of probation. And a lot of times the attitude and what people, the way that they, based on their experience. And I'm glad you had a positive experience experience in regards to your interactions with police. So we do need to teach. Well, it wasn't that positive because I did tell him he was being arrested and all that other stuff. Yeah, you know that too from being involved in law enforcement yourself. But the thing is, when you called in, sir, and one of the things I thought about as we're talking about the show Colorism, a lot of men experience colorism when it comes to dating. When they're trying to date and they used to say, well, um, light skin is in, and, and like um, Karen was saying earlier, the black of the berry is sweeter than juice. 
and you have some women for a long time, they would either want to date dark-skinned men or then they wanted either the Albie Shore or, you know, have you ever experienced anything like that when it comes to colorism besides just that when it comes to law enforcement? Is that a question to me? Yes, to you. Oh, As no, a, I have not. That was the first thing I thought about was, okay, we finally got a male on the air, and I want to know from him, did you ever deal with colorism in regards to as it comes to dating? Because that's what I found that a lot of men, where they ran into situations with colorism, either within their own family or when they were trying to date someone. Not me. I have not experienced that. Okay. That's interesting. Okay, we got another. It's interesting if he doesn't know that he didn't experience it because he wasn't the one putting the job mm-hmm. He may have encountered women who only dated what he looked like. Mm-hmm. And they may have approached him and may have been like, okay, yeah, cool. But it's very prevalent in the dating world. Yeah, mm-hmm. People, specifically men, I will only date a light-skinned girl, or I will only date a Latina girl, mm-hmm. or I'll only date somebody that looks like Kim Kardashian or that looks exotic, eliminating the whole rest of Yeah. You know, okay. I, I myself, when I was younger, I, I myself, I must admit, when I was younger, all I would date is, is light-skinned women. But when I got a little older, I realized that the tone or the complexion of a person has very little to do or nothing to do Correct. actually with 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 their personality, and so Correct. when I when I when I opened up, you know, and, it's a and and it, I guess that was that was that was my experience with colorism, where you know my my family would always say, man, all you man, all you dated, you know, are, are light skinned women. Well, I, I you know, I, one time I I, I said, well, let me try let me try something different, and so that I can explore. Because I'm always looking for ways to to better myself. Remember, you remember what they say, beauty is deceiving. Uh-huh, that's true. That is so true. Let me log on this other caller because we have a person that's been on the now waiting for a while. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Praise Your Predicaments, never ending in zero nine. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Okay, all right. I think that sounds like Michelle. Now, the thing is, and Karen, yes. that's interesting. If I could say myself, even when I was dating, you know, I first started off with dating dark-skinned men, but I used to say I wasn't attracted to dark-skinned men. And then I would date the the fair-skinned men, and then it was just a combination of whatever. You know, I never dated outside of my race. Whatever. Well, you know what, because growing up, well, go back to what you were raised around. Your uncle, your father, all the men around you were what? They were kind of mixed because my family more, was half and half. More so like they, Yeah, but Therefore, I... Therefore, in your mind, it was, oh, I'm a light-skinned man. Yeah, but, but I was in a dark scene. you saw. Mm-hmm. But then you decided, I just need whatever can get me out of here. <laughs> That's what really <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. <laughs> but, you know, and that's not something that people do intentionally to hurt others. Correct. It's something that they're just used to. Uh-huh. Say for it's me. I am a darker, not really darker skin, but I'm in in the chocolate area. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to treat myself beautifully, mm-hmm. even though maybe others around the family didn't Right. So 
what we see and what it is. Michelle, okay. I know you called in, Michelle. You have any questions, Michelle? Comments you want to make? Um, no, no, I don't. But that guy's story was that was that was a good one. I, I like that story. My dad, he, my dad used to do. He he did after work and got stopped by the cops. But I don't know. I I, I, I like yeah. the story though. No, I have a question. I, I have a question here, and I'm going to say, and this is coming from, a scholar wrote this in an article, if you write your life stories about colorism. Now, a lot of times, and, and you know, what's the, the lady named the Karen, the domestic Karen, or what, what is that called, Tisha, when the people be making all, talking about you don't belong here and all of that other stuff, oh, the Karen. Now, when they talk about colorism, and they said that colorism is a term believed to have been coined in 1982 by Alice Walker and was defined by her to mean a presidential or preferential treatment of the same race of people based solely on their color. It's not racism, although there's a clear relationship. And a clear example of racism would involve a business refusing to hire someone but because of their color. But colorism would not preclude the hiring of a person based on their color, but there will be a preference for a black person with a lighter skin tone than a darker skin tone. And from that example, we can see that colorism can not only occur within the same race of people, but also across races. Now, I remember there was, I forgot which rapper, but a lot of rappers was getting in trouble with that when they were doing their videos back then because they would only look for light-skinned, big butt, or thin and light or long hair. What was the dark-skinned girls had to go in the back. Wow. Or they were so now Hello? that we are having, because of the pandemic, so they're not doing that much. That's why I wanted Shana to call in so she could share what it's like also, even in the modeling industry. Because well, that I is have one. I, as a parent, I watched that with my, with my oldest. She mm-hmm. was always in the front. As a girl... The, the, the producers would do that. Producers would do that. If you were light skinned and could sing beautifully, you were in the front. Like David, okay, when my daughter sang background for Barbara Streisand, they immediately, mm-hmm. well, they immediately listen to your voice. And then they go, Oh, she must be pretty by her voice. And then when they see her, then automatically she was in the finalist. And then when they picked her, then um, David Foster and um, Mr. Uh, Hamlin from the the Disney picked her and said she's gorgeous. She's the she, she's pretty. She has a, brown, a light brown skin. She is gorgeous. The other girl can sing just as good as my daughter, but she wasn't picked. Wow. And you know, and it's interesting you saying that, Karen, because I remember even with my daughter, she did show choir, she did choir, and my daughter could sing. Very beautiful voice. But it was like she always had to fight for her role. Or she just never gave up. And when when she would want to go to do these things, and we would go to cast, not casting, but we would go to the little thing, you know, showcases and all of that stuff. They would look at her brother and say, "We want him," but she was the one that had this drive and determination, and and she wanted to do it. And even when she was in middle school and would get like the lead role. For place. I remember I'll never forget one time, what would you, you you applied for something, you tried out for something with a Scrooge kid or something, and they told you 
you couldn't do it because you was black or something? Oh, it was Annie. They had never seen a black Annie before, so they didn't cast me as Annie. It was something that you applied for, and they said one of the kids first, and I said go for the lead role. Just go for the lead role. Because you did the, the lead role in The Wizard of Oz. But you was determined because it was like, no, how you go sit there and say, I can't do this because of the color of my skin? What was that like for you in middle school to even go to, to experience that? Because I couldn't relate. I, I really couldn't relate to it. You know you couldn't relate. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how you going to tell me my baby can't do, you know? So, but what was that like for you? It's a struggle. It's a struggle for anybody if you're black or white or whatever the case may be, but being within the black community, you're already knocked down a peg. Being a female, you're already knocked down a peg, another peg. But being a darker-skinned black child who wanted to be in entertainment or who wanted to be, um, you know, just in that type of environment and industry, you're not seen as somebody that, um, they want to use as the lead or somebody that they want to um, promote in that sense because you have to go back to the dollars, okay? It's a marketing thing. When you market things, your target, who you think has the most money, is the white community. If you want a person in there, you have to have a black person that's in the middle, somebody that the white community can semi-relate to, somebody that's black community can semi-relate to. Mm-hmm. That's why they always choose someone that is a fair skin. You can have the same qualifications. You can be on the same talent type of spectrum. But they have to think about their dollar when she's talking about the producers. They have to think about their dollar. How am I going to make more money? How am I going to get more people to come and purchase tickets or to buy a video, or to buy a song, I need to put somebody that is close to white. Well, I have a question for you. How did you get all this doggone knowledge? Because I just noticed, like I said, you started educating me about this because I just missed it. I just be in the background when you tell me they said, and I'm I'm like Karen, I'm going to the school, I'm ready to fight, because how you going to tell me my baby Kate, and she got it. Karen, I was acting, I was, I was being real ugly at that time, you know. But um, but it's something that you go through, and it's something that you have to. What the one thing that I would say is love on your child, no matter what color mm-hmm. they are, love on them, mm-hmm. encourage them, give them compliments. Mm-hmm. Wow, and that and that's where the Bible comes in because in some. It's, that's my favorite picture, where it says, I'm beautifully made. So I used yeah. to not see my, as Roy Jr. had a stuttering problem. So his self-esteem was, I'm doctor, I can't talk. So I had to show him in the Bible that he was beautifully made. So nobody mm-hmm. can tell him He's not smart. He's not handsome. Once you give a child self-esteem, they can go further. See, that's why my parents, especially my mother and my grandmother and my great-grandmother, they made sure I had the most prettiest dress in the store because of my physical challenge. So mm-hmm. I knew I was pretty, and so that did So my physical challenge didn't uh, take over my life until I couldn't do it. Then it was brought back to my attention that I couldn't do what I can do. And then my aunt told me, she said, if you can get in a man's mind and help him be successful, you can get married and have babies, baby. Trust me. And I did. I'm a living proof of that. I got three little red rats and three grandchildren now, okay? So, you know, it's a, it's a self-esteem thing. Yes, you got it a is. different color child. But you have to find out what's best of the end, like Ashley. Ashley can walk in a church into a nightclub in Hollywood because he used to play the drums before my mother. Well, she used to go play. They know Ashley as the drummer. They don't know him as a mentally challenged child. They know him as an extremely talented drummer. So we have to give the self-esteem to the child 
what color, what age. You have to do right. that. And you know, and I guess with me, I think, teacher, what I did was I never paid my color no attention. I really didn't because I, I didn't even know what I looked like even as a young adult. <laughs> Yeah, you've been knowing me for okay. 30 some years. You know I even had Tisha. But you know, the funny part about it is I didn't know what I looked like. I didn't know. Yeah, you know I, I don't want to hear that I was, I was Okay. Wait a minute. Now, you don't want me to go to that other side. I I remember you thought you was the cutest thing walking, <laughs> but I didn't. I really didn't. I just always stood behind being smart. You know, I always knew no matter what that my intellect would get me by versus my beauty. I never tried to use my because that was a turnoff to me. Because I saw it so much with my mother, my grandmother, my aunties. I saw that, and that was a turnoff to me. But I just didn't know what that was. And the thing is, a lot of individuals are battling their own insecurities and biases with colorism. And it brings a lot of insecurities. What I was say is that because they don't have the self behind them. Mm-hmm. I picked myself up from my bootstraps every time my brother called me Kusa Kente or said that, you know, my dad was in the roof and wow. you know, all these hurtful things that, that could really tear a person yeah. down. But I was like, no, I have to make sure that I kept reminding myself, no, I am pretty. No, I am better than him. He's lazy. Like he's this, like no, don't don't let him get into your head. So for me, I had to keep reminding myself, and that's why I had the confidence that I have. Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure that we instill that confidence into our children. True. Otherwise, it's going to be another generational curse that keeps going and going and going. Now, the newest thing that's going on with our biracial children is those that are white passing. And we have to make sure that we let our children know, like we talk about with writer, although you are white passing, you are still black. Mm-hmm. You are not white. You are black. I've been reminding him of this every day when he's coming home from school in Orange County because he thinks he's so white. No, writer, you are black. It reminds him of that when I pick him up. <laughs> like, oh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> How did this happen? Wow. But you have to find and teach your children and, and encourage them and make sure that those within your family are mm-hmm. not treating them differently because they are white passing. Correct. And you know what? And, it's, and when it said 1982, I guess now I can justify that why I didn't know no better because, you know, back then I was still pretty much young, my dog on self. But I noticed that even growing up, and I was hoping my cousin called in, how when I saw that with my cousins that lived down the street from me, where one was light-skinned, pretty hair, the other one was dark-skinned. But I still think Teresa is, girl, Teresa was our Vivica A. Fox. She is a beautiful, beautiful Hi. woman. How long That's true. That's true. That's true. That is true, too. But the thing is, and like I said, we, we have to start within our family. We have to start even when we're dating someone. We can't continue to beat people down. And that's something that I notice a lot of times it happens in the relationship. Karen, what was you saying? What did you say tonight? No, I, I was asking you what were you saying because – Talking about not only teacher was talking about look how long it took for Vivica A. Fox to get on the air versus Lisa Ray, and I was seeing how even in the industry, even in music, yeah, we're still seeing a lot of that. Even in the movies, it's getting kind of better because we have a lot of black producers now. We have a lot of individuals that people are doing things differently by either going on to YouTube, you know, and not only just even. And I was talking about with politics. We're talking about who Joe Biden may choose for his vice president. 
colorism still may play a role in that without it even being so noticeable. Because it still has right. to be okay. Right. Now, I hope he, I hope he picked someone because uh, I'm looking at the personality now. I'd rather for him to yep. pick Karen Bell than, than, than Kamala Harris. Because yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about, yeah, we talked about that yeah. the other day because we found. Hold on for a minute. Hold on for a minute, Jeanette. Hold on for a minute. I'll be right back. Hold on. Uh-huh. And you know, and that is that is true. But the part of it is educating ourselves. You know, even when we talk about the other lady and her to make herself look different. Yeah, Stacey Abrams. Go to other pictures. I saw Stacey Abrams. I was like, go oh, with your bad self. You know? So we have to stop letting people put us down and putting that division amongst us because we, it, it's like the guy was saying earlier about how you carry yourself, how you believe in yourself, how you develop yourself. It's systemic. It's something, like I said, going back to slavery. It was rooted to make sure that you do not join one another and support one another. So that way it's rooted in your family. It's something that they did so they could say, we will make sure that these black people never join together. Even within their family, they're going to hate one another without realizing they hate one another. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a personal experience that happened to me within my family. Now, I have mm-hmm. a cousin who was the princess. She was, okay, she was the first grandchild on my daddy's side, and I was the first grandchild on my mother's side. And she, uh, she was adored. She, she, went, she, she went to a white school, and then in the early 70s, Dorothy High School was um, predominant. They had... At that time, Crenshaw and Baldwin Park was the Beverly, the Black Beverly Hill. So mm-hmm. my cousin and everybody lived over there. And so when she went to Dorsey, it was served scholastically in the state because Japanese and Korean people and the um, professional lawyers, blood lawyers, and doctors lived in that neighborhood. And so mm-hmm. when um, I went to high school, I went from L.A., Washington High School, and then my daddy put me in the Dorsey High because my mother went on a tour. She was on a singing mm-hmm. tour. So my father thought it would be best that my aunt use her address and I go to Dorsey High School with my cousin. So mm-hmm. she always had a thing of, well, she's handicapped, I have to, you know, I can't deal with this, or she would introduce me to my, her friends, but then they would go off and just leave me somewhere. Then it mm. happened. On my wedding day, she, no, she went to college, and they were talking about disabled children, and she came back to my mother and said, you did an incredible job with my cousin. And then mm-hmm. when I got married, she never thought I would be married. She never thought I would graduate. She never thought I would go to college. And when I did that, she started talking to me on a different level. Yeah. So there's, 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 there's discrimination and... um how should I say this? Discrimination and not 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 no respect for those who have physical challenges. So we mm-hmm. so as me because my grandfather taught me that if I don't have the education, so does my daddy. That's when you won't be able to be successful. And you know that. You know, I want to share something. I want to share something, and it was written in the New York Times, and it talks about a fight against colorism takes on Amazon beauty cannot be one skin color. And it indicated that after two nonprofits delivered 23,000 signatures to Amazon 
accident to remove skin bleaching products with high level of mercury, the company listened. Because, like I said, we have people trying to bleach their skin. You know, my mother used to do that to us. And it said dark skin can be heavily to walk around, and it's widely represented in movies and television. But black Americans with darker complexions are more likely to say they're very experienced or they're frequent racism of what they experience. And a dark-skinned woman around the world are flooded with advertisements telling them that white is beautiful. Now, the weight can be so immense that it pushes some people to take radical steps to change their complexion because people don't but really have to about their But it is, it, it is, Karen. In some but, cases, it is. In some cases, it is. It depends on the well, individual there are still people that were bleaching their skin and that some people don't feel happy about their skin color. And they did this, and the founder of the nonprofit for the Beauty Well Project, who is the last of the eight years, has been working to root out biases against dark-skinned people and lift the self-esteem of those who have internalized the discrimination. Now, like I said, just recently I was looking for some skin bleaching because I have lupus, and I was getting dark spots on my face and dark spots on my legs. But the thing is, oh. in their effort to confront the extreme unhealthy methods that turned to the lighter skin, brought them to the Amazon offices, and that's when they found out about that petition. And the petition asked Amazon to remove skin-bleaching products with high mercury from its online platform and the items which violated the site guidelines were pulled a week after the delivery. Now, while Amazon still offers skin lightening creams without mercury, because they also say that sometimes that can also cause a wide variety of cancer, they found that the trauma is caused by colorism, prejudice that favors people with lighter skin over those with darker skin, especially within racial and ethnic groups. And that's what, like I said, the term, and it goes back again to what Alice Walker term that coined in 1982, and it goes back to, and they even indicated that colorism has a serious mental and emotional effect that can be passed on through generations. It is not the same as racism, but the two are inherently connected, and it's not just people within the same race are treating each other differently based on their skin color. Other people are doing the same thing. And in America, the importance of one's skin tone originated in slavery, which is what we talked about, where people were given privilege and some people were seen to be more intellectually superior compared to the darker-skinned people. But years have passed, and those ideas still persist in some, especially if you go back to the South, but having a lighter skin is associated with higher earnings, more education, and sometimes better physical health. Now, they did a study in 2017, and they found, now, we, we that was only three years ago, Karen, but they found that people with darker skins are more prone to arrest and struggle more in marriage markets. Another study in 2015 noted that colorism is often gendered because of its unique relationship to who and what beauty, what is beauty, and it has a tendency, although not exclusively, to affect and infect women more than men. See, women had that issue. Men kind of adapted to it, like I said, when we're talking about with the dating thing. But what were you about to say, Karen? Because you're about to say something in regards to. Well, no, I was just going to say is the light skinned women, they always go for the darker men. Or vice versa, the light-skinned men want the darker women. Correct. We've seen that, but you know what? I remember my friend that passed away, Xavier. He had a dark-skinned girlfriend, and I thought that that was kind of odd because I always thought the same thing too. I've seen dark skin with dark skin. I've seen light skin with light skin, and I've seen vice versa. And now we're seeing a lot of interracial couples, and people are marrying and dating and having children from 
you know, different types of cultures and breeds. And one of the things I found also is that a lot of times with individuals, we may think that they're beautiful. That doesn't mean that they have a high self-esteem because some of the most beautiful women and men have the lowest self-esteem. They still battle with depression. They still battle with distorted body images, eating disorders. So we have to get to the point to where we have to educate individuals Teach them to love themselves despite their color, despite their race, despite their creed, because we have to do better with that. Because we're losing a lot of individuals even to suicide when it comes to these things. Like I said, at one point people were bleaching their skin, people were tanning, people are doing all kinds of things to change their the way they look in regards to their skin tone. And we need yes, to be mindful of that. Remember, they just thought about changing for the second time the ancient mama on the, on the pancake box. So they found well, how that I, can be more well, racism. I, I, I had no problem. I'm going to be honest with you. I was upset that they weren't, they're changing ancient mama because she was beautiful. This the, was the first was, one. What, what, the first, what did the first one look like? The first one looked like a big old... A, a maid or someone that was obese or was that wasn't cool, you know? Why well, even when you started in the industry, why did individuals if they wanted a role they had to go be a maid or if they they got to be a hooker or they got to be no, we got to do away with these stereotypes. But now I researched from the old black movies when they had Duke Ellington and everybody in the club. We wore tights. Ladies wore long dresses. There's an old black movie of us Mm -hmm. looking beautiful. But see, they don't show those anymore. They don't. They don't. They don't show those. When we talk about colorism, we just got to be mindful. We got to educate ourselves. You know, because there's been a lot of documentaries, and women are starting to express themselves in regards to how they feel how they, you know, so we can prepare our children when they go to college. You know, my daughter and I was having a conversation because my granddaughter will be going to college soon. And if she goes to college out of state, you know, because she's Hispanic and black, so she may not fit with the Hispanic. She may not, the dark skin may not appreciate, want to let her join in. And my daughter and I, we didn't get to talk about when she was in college and we talked about the different sororities. What was it? One of the deltas or one of them? You got to be a certain color. Oh, yeah, well, okay. that, well, wait a minute. I, I, I experienced that. The, uh, the AKA wanted my daughter desperately. And one of the ladies said, the rejects for delta. I was shocked. She yeah. said, so, the rejects of AKA were delta. All the AKAs were glamorous, light skinned, pretty women. And she said, the rejects are Delta. This was 25 years ago. Yeah. But just think about this, too, Karen. I know we ran out of time. But just think about when they were doing the debutante ball. Who did you see that was being a debutante? See, these things are having to change now. We can't keep yeah, doing this to our children. When you were looking at the elite, yeah. you didn't see. Girl, this we can go on and on and on about this debate, but we have to educate. We got to teach our kids to love themselves. We got to love on them. We got to encourage them. We shouldn't be treating them differently based on the color of their skin because they will hold on to that grudge, and we don't realize the impact that it has on our children, on our society, and how we view ourselves and those around us. So I want to thank you for joining us here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio, and thank you for joining us, Mama G. How can they find you if they want to listen to your show? Okay, I'm on Facebook and Zoom every Sunday night at 7 p.m. And this Sunday, we're going to talk about the importance of getting out to vote. Every grandmother, mother, they should be in charge of them vote of their family voting and get their community to vote. Because if we don't make the change, 
we're not going to have a good change. So we have to do good trouble. And that means knock on everybody's door that you can. So listen, Sunday night, Facebook or on Zoom. I'll send you the information later, but it's Ask Mama G because I have my Ph.D. in parental household discipline. Good day and have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining me, Mama G, and thank you for listening. Tomorrow is Tuesday, and on Tuesdays when we do the show from the pulpit to the couch. And we're hearing a lot of individuals talking about the rapture. We're talking about we're living in our last days. And before my godbrother took ill, he did his show, and he was talking about let it go. So I want to talk to you guys about some things that we really need to let go. So join me tomorrow oh. on Richard's Addictions Talk Radio, and we're going to be talking about let it go. Thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. Bye-bye. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I know I always, they say when you throw a stone at a pack of wolves, the one that hollers, the one that you get, I know you'd be like, yeah, we can be coming up with this from. You know I need to talk about that. So we're going to talk about. Yes, right. That's right. That's right. You leave me alone with that. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.